This is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I have with me a beautiful woman in front of me. Her name is Farrell Mason. She is a mother of six. Oh, my goodness, that is its own ministry in itself. You are a part-time minister, though, right? Um, You're also an author. You have a new book coming out that I'm excited to share about, and you have a blog, um, and you're a chef. I'm going to call you a chef. You might not call you a chef, but— Oh, I play for eight every night. How about that? Absolutely, (laughs) you are. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to hear all about your life and all about your unexpecteds. If somebody were to ask you years ago if if this is where your life would be, if you would be a mom of six and an author and a minister, what would you have said? Oh, my goodness. You know, this path of my life is— wildly beyond my imagination, but it's also, I think I had no idea how deep I would have to go, mm-hmm. how deep and wide and rich my life would be. You know, I met my husband when I was uh, 19 years old. Wow. And um, I, we just celebrated 30 years together. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> I know, 24 married, but 30 together. And and there's a picture in our bathroom of the two of us when we were that age. Mm-hmm. And those two innocent kids. kids had no idea what the path would look like. And that is like terrific sorrow, but also while beyond our imagination, wow. joys and blessings. Um, you know, I my background was actually in the arts. Okay. And so I got my first master's degree in London. And I really had this idea that I was going to be either representing artists, painters, mm-hmm. um, or I was going to be buying art in in Europe and, and bringing it back, which is what I was doing when um, September 11th happened, and we lived downtown in September 11th. So that was like the first zinger. Oh, goodness, um, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is going to come next? You know, we lived in that strange alert where every morning we turn on the TV and it would be like, you're in high alert or you're in, mm. you know, medium alert, orange, red, yellow. Right. And, and it was just like this really uncomfortable year mm. of trying to find our grounding right. and, and really kind of, uh, for the first time in my life, really feeling genuine fear. Mm. And then <laughs> my first son, Charlie, was born. And uh, which was such a blessing. And he uh, just came right out of the womb with the biggest smile on his face. Oh. But on Christmas Day, he was diagnosed with stage four yeah. neuroblastoma, which is a really terrible childhood cancer. And um, we were home in South Carolina visiting my parents. And it was my dad that kind of was like, something is not right here with this baby. He's 10 weeks old and something's not quite right. And... Um, you know, we walked those paces of what your worst nightmare mm-hmm. is and ended up getting to Sloan Kettering in New York and being treated for a year. And um, so I feel immense loyalty and um, true love for New York City, mm-hmm. one, but also to Sloan Kettering and, and Dr. Kushner. But it really, my life completely took a different turn. So um, it was... 
I, I really had a minister in New York City, mm -hmm. um, Tom Toole, who met with um, David and I every Friday in his little office, and he kind of handheld us through that year. And when we came through that year, I don't know if it was like the questions that I asked him in those meetings or if it was, I don't know, that he just saw something in me. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. But we were having dinner one night, and he said, I think you should go to divinity school. Wow. I've got chills even I've saying got, You it. just said it, and I got chills. Because I was like, what? One, what is divinity school? <laughs> Exactly what does that mean? And and so he kind of walked me through and I applied to Princeton and then I my husband got transferred to Nashville. Or we kind of like he's from here. And so I think we'd come off such a terrific year right. <laughs> that he said, I think we need to go home and be around family yeah. and we need some support. And I think we were exhausted in yeah. mind, body, and spirit. And for him, I think coming to Nashville was gonna be a balm. It was gonna be a relief. Right. And um, and so we moved to Nashville and I enrolled at Divinity School at Vanderbilt. And I, I laugh because I'm like the longest standing student. <laughs> because in that time of being at Divinity School, I had five more children. <laughs> wow. I know. Um, you know, my word that that I use all the time is is hope. And and I'm a big believer. I believe it's real. And um I think by me agreeing to and my husband agreeing to to go ahead and have more, more. children after Charlie mm -hmm. was me living in hope and living in anticipation oh, and trusting God. Absolutely. Um, but all of a sudden, that's why you asked that initial question. Like I would never thought my life could be so full. Wow. Right. And I started obviously writing academic paper after academic sure. paper. But then I met a professor, um, Victor Judge at Vanderbilt. He's still there and he's just amazing. And he asked me to write a creative paper. It was the first time. Okay. And so all of a sudden it was and I turned it in and he wrote at the bottom of the paper, you should be writing. And then I started taking classes where you, um, it was art and theology, which is now my specialty. Um, even though I'm a pastoral care minister, the art and theology is 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 really kind of where my little creative spirit oh, is. Wow. And so we started reading stuff like Mary Oliver, the poet, and uh, Flannery O'Connor, and all of these artists. And we were looking at music, mm. and and all of a sudden it was like. The faith part, which meant so much to me, and the art part came together. I love that. And, you know, I'm a big, huge champion of artists because I feel like they have this unique ability to speak the Spirit. I agree. And God's words and God's hopes for us in a way that sometimes lands on our hearts in a softer way yes. than maybe the traditional traditional language of the church sometimes. I mean, this speaks to me. I, I know you don't know this, but I actually paint. Oh. Um, I'm a painter, and I will turn on worship music and just start painting. And some of my best paintings, you know, I call them like Holy Spirit painting, like God just... I, I don't have anything in mind, and I just let God kind of pour out into it. And and it's I understand exactly I what you're saying. That. It's mm -hmm. a it's a medium, and it's a worship in itself. And people see it, and they kind of absorb that. And you know, my husband's an artist, and it's a different thing. But art sets the atmosphere, 
you know, for, for our spirit and for our soul, even if we don't recognize what it is about that. But I agree totally. That is amazing. Well, and you know, I mean, you know, right in the beginning sentences of Genesis, mm. you know, God is the creator. creator. Yes. And so I think we're, I mean, I think God is kind of expecting and hoping that yeah. we would take his lead. That's right. and, and so we're the creator with the little C, yes. never the big C. But I think we each have this, um, it's within us to have a creative response yes. to the world. However you do that, and that could be healer, that could be speaker, that could be mama, you know, this creative way of being in the world. Mm. Um, so I, you know, wrote this book. And, and a lot of that comes from big, hard-won <laughs> lived experience. Um, you know, hope is a word that's tossed around, and it is, it means so much to me mm. because, you know, I've had to choose to hope. Right. Um, I really, you know, I was very much involved and still am very much involved in um, the covenant tragedy here in Nashville. Mm. And, and that really shook all of us, yes. my children, all of them, me as a minister, as a mama. Um, and, you know, I was part participated in one of the funerals. And what I can tell you is at the edge of despair, I still see hope mm -hmm. and I felt it. And I'm so grateful for God because I'm so worried there's going to be a moment where, uh-oh, where is it? Right. <laughs> and I feel like God continues to speak that in to us yeah. and into our environment if our hearts are open enough to see it. Right. And I can tell you, I mean, the covenant tragedy, I mean, it rocked me. Yeah. And I, I've got chills again because, you know, God is good and God does show up for us and weeps with us and takes care of us. And, you know, my favorite scripture that I kind of wrap around my spirit is Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I take God for truth. That's right. When God says, I'm with true. you from the beginning, in the middle, and all the way. That's right. And um, I really have to keep trusting that. That's right. Well, and the Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And it does. And so what a, what a testament, I mean, that you... I mean, you went on to have five more babies. I know. And honey, it's Grand Central Station at my house. But I mean, <laughs> it, before I arrived, I was like, okay, what do I have to remember? Fins, flag football, jersey. Yes, yes. I was checking things off the list. Oh, I was on the phone before. before I got here. So <laughs> I would love to be on a fly, a fly on the wall at your house. Make me feel a little better about my crazy town. You got to come over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tell me some of the unexpected moments, maybe with a mama out there or maybe with a a daughter. You have boys and girls, right? Yes, yeah, so I have three boys and three girls. Okay, okay. Well, you know, something just happened two nights ago. Okay. And I don't think I'm betraying one of the children. I won't even say their name just in case they listen. But I was in a bathtub, which is my holy Your ritual. Spot. Yes, at night. Um, and one of mine came in. And, you know, she had had soccer games, soccer practice. I had just gone to uh, um, Israel-Palestinian, uh, two professors from Vanderbilt had mm -hmm. spoke about what we had just witnessed the past weekend, right. where we are right now. And 
so I was kind of reeling off in the kitchen some of the things that had been said that night. Mm-hmm. And she came in and she she wasn't even like verbal. I could just sense the anxiousness right. in her. And she was trying to decide if she should get up in the morning and go to this little girls Bible study mm-hmm. and but it, she would have to get up at six and she was exhausted and so we were going through all the things of what's really important and right. what we should do and then I stopped and I said you know I think that we are all feeling anxious mm. right now yes yeah and so I look back at where I was when I was your age and I think the thing I was worried about the most was Am I going to lose my tennis match today? Or, oh my gosh, I cannot do math, homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like there's a weight. It is weight. Whatever age you are in the world that we're in right now. And so I said, okay, we're going to stop. And we're going to, I'm going to tell you the five things. Number one, you need to experience beauty. And so we have to balance in the container of our hearts mm. the, the negativity and the despairing news and social media yes. and all this stuff that really kind of leaves us tangled yeah. and makes us feel anxious. We have to balance it with experiences of beauty. Yeah. And so I said, for me, it's nature. Yeah. And so every single day, Rose, you got to have some sort of experience of beauty. And we fill our soul with that. And then I said, number two, you have to pray. And I said, you know, Rose, the best advice I can give you is it doesn't have to be these formal, perfect prayers Mm -hmm. where you're like, God, I'm like coming to you as perfect as I can. It doesn't have to be reeling off a list. It doesn't have. I said, all I want you to say is I am feeling anxious and I need some of your peace that's beyond understanding because I'm not able to find it on my own. You need to have this ongoing conversation like almost envision it like you're talking to me, yeah. except you're talking to God. Yes. And then I said, number three, friends and family. Mm. You got to get, you can't tuck in, you got to reach out. That's and right. so we need our friends and family. God gave us each other for a reason. We're yeah. supposed to make our way together. And so I said, that means fun and laughter. Mm. And that means like breaking bread. And that means, you know, just fellowship. you loving and fellowship. And and uh, um, and then I said, you know, I, the easiest thing we can do too is because we can't control really what's going on in the world, right. but you can control who you love right in front of you. That's right. Love who is right in front of you. And that could be me. That could be the dog. That could mm. be your friend. That could be your boyfriend. Yes. Um and then I said, five is love a stranger. Do something for a stranger. That's right. Because then that's bigger than yourself. That's right. And we have no idea the power of one word of encouragement for someone we don't know. Absolutely. Because then they're going to send out in their day by you lifting them. So I said, okay, so the person that's making your lunch at school, when you're coming through the line, just say thank you so much mm. for making my lunch today. Yes. I love the cheeseburgers. Yes. You know, it's as a Rosie, it's as simple as that. And because I do feel like our world feels overwhelming Overwhelming. right now. And I mean, I would love to go over and really help right now in the world outside of my little patch of green here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, I think I need to love 
who and what is right in front of me to the right. best of my ability, somehow God's going to use that. Yes. It's going to be a domino effect in yes. some way. And so whether you are 12 or over 40, which is my age, <laughs> uh, I think those five things help with the anxiousness, but I think they also they contribute to a meaningful, rich, and deep life. Absolutely, they do. With a little more joy, or a lot more joy, but definitely a little more inner peace. Absolutely. Y- you know, we just had fall break, and so we went home. Home is Arkansas for us. Okay. Um, my husband and I both grew up on farms, and so very rural, um, you know, no connection, and it's it's so nice to unplug. Yeah. My dream for our kids is to go home every summer and let them have a childhood unplugged from the world because truly when we grew up we weren't inundated with this awareness right of what's going on with everyone around us and with the world around us with with the people that we see in the news and just force-fed kind of anywhere you look you're just flooded in fact the holy spirit told me this week the world is clamoring for your attention and i am whispering to draw near to me, mm. you know, and that's that's really where you will find that still and that peace and that contentment when you unplug. And it's like you said, nature, go appreciate something that God made with God. Right. I walk. That's my thing. I like go on walks outside in nature where I I'm not listening to the world i'm unhooked from it and i can listen to worship music or nothing and just or just listen to whatever's on your whatever's heart on my heart and right. actually give god space to talk to me give him margin because if yeah. we're not leaving margin and that's really what's happening right the world is so loud and it's there's so many distractions coming at us that there's no margin in our soul to let god even in. There's... Well, I mean, Jesus is the best example. I mean, we have to believe that Jesus like was on the planet and had a mission. That's right. Right. So he woke up in the morning. He was like, I got stuff, important, mm-hmm. holy stuff to do. And and so we see Jesus like he's working. He is studying. He is breaking bread, mm-hmm. enjoying himself, laughing, got lots of friends. But he also really intentionally steps away yes. where he has no friends, no phone, no nothing. nothing. And and he does that several times over. through his life. He, you see him. He also does it when things are tight and stressful. Yes. So instead of like grinding, Jesus steps, steps away. away. And he's like, I, I got to replenish. Mm-hmm. I got to hear what God's going to speak on my heart. I've got to have some peace and quiet. And then Jesus goes right back into the center. And I think we all, unfortunately, our culture doesn't tell us to do that and actually tells us the opposite. Mm. Work, 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 work. Busy, 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 busy. You're you're rewarded for that behavior and because you're accomplishing whatever it is you're accomplishing. And... I don't know, especially as an artist. Right, externally. Yes, and and you and your husband are both artists. And so, I mean, the artist cannot work in that that place. No. So the artist has to step away. I could not write in the middle of Grand Central Station. I have to, like, lock myself at my desk with the door shut, 
nothing, no phone or anything. Yes. And so it's, you know, our own personal spiritual lives, but it's also our work lives, our artists, artistic lives that we have to kind of step away. Mm-hmm. I even think, you know, for, for mothers out there that how some mothers believe, I even believe oftentimes that it's selfish for me to take a, take a minute, to take a walk for an hour. And really, I've explained at this point to the boys, at least my older two, that mommy's a better mommy when I go away and I let God talk to me and I talk to God and I give him space. And I'll even tell them that my tank, my love tank is full or my patience tank is more full when I go and spend a little quiet time with Jesus. And that's the best way I know how to explain it to, you know, a six and a three-year-old. But even they get it. They're like, mommy, do you need to spend some time with Jesus so your patience tank is full? And I'm like, yes, I do. Thank you very much. Um, Uh, Well, I say there's a, there's a, place because I give like activities in the book. And one of the activities in the book is um, you need to have a monastery experience in Grand Central Station. Mm. And so I kind of equate my life, which is, is I live in Grand Central Station most of the time. I mean, you walk through my front door and, you know, there's sports bags, there's kids, there's dogs, there's all sorts of stuff. And there's a lot of noise, which I love. Mm. I don't want to live anywhere else but in Grand Central Station. This is the season of my life, and I'm super grateful for it. But I also know there is nothing good about Farrell Mason when she's unraveled Mm. and she's tight and tangled and tired. And so I have to carve out these monastery moments and for me, I'm like you. I mean, I, I move in nature. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I jog at Percy Warner or Radnor Lake, and that's my time. Yes. Right? To, yes. And, and kind of if it doesn't happen, I feel like it everybody shows. pays Everybody knows when yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah, mom's a little rough on the edges. <laughs> well, um, speaking of your book, let, let me formally introduce this. Actually, I will let you formally introduce this. And tell me how this got rolling. Because if someone, I don't know, a few years ago told me that I would be doing this, I would say, get out of town. I don't believe it. If someone had told you that you would have written a book... I mean, would you have believed it? And how did that happen? I mean, I know that you've had a few nudges. I'll call them Holy Spirit nudges, even though they were from friends and ministers. Yeah. Um, Just encouraging you along the way. Well, you know, I mean, I opened the book and and I tell the story that I was sitting at a funeral of a very close friend. And um, she was 40 with three young kids. Mm -hmm. And I was participating in the funeral, actually. And and I can remember sitting back in the pew, kind of near where the musicians were sitting, and thinking, gosh, I live my life like there will always be more time. Mm. And am I living the life I want to live? Am I, I mean, is this sacred and holy? Am I just running through things? Or am, am I having like a deep and rich and full life. So I open the book with the scripture from John um, where Jesus says, I came so you would have life and life and full. Yes. And I think that's like the key word. I, you know, I can honest, I come to you from a place of, I've experienced a lot of joy in my life and a lot of blessings. And um, I've also experienced a lot of heartbreak and loss. Mm. And so it's this balancing. I think 
Jesus did the same. You know, I feel like Jesus, I think he really loved mm. being a human being on this planet. I mean, I think he probably loved, you know, the almond trees in, in, in Jerusalem. I think he loved laughing with his friends, his disciples around the table. I think he loved meeting new people. I think he loved his little interior life with God. Mm. It, it was really full, but he also experienced a lot of rejection mm. and um, and heartbreak, you know, yeah. just real heartbreak. And so that's how I titled the book. It's this idea of, I think we all were given the gift of this soul. Yeah. And, you know, it's the part of us that is untouched by the world. It's the part of us that um, it's the light, the perfect light. It's the goodness. It's the creativity. It's the love. It's the hope. It's God in us. Mm. And so um, we've been released into the world to have the fullest experience that we can have. And I, you know, I'm the first of six kids. I'm kind of a doer. You know, I, I'm a multitasker. I can get a lot accomplished <laughs> in a day. And um, I don't want to just be blowing through my life. I really want it to be sacred. Yes. And and that's the hard stuff and the beautiful stuff. Yeah. And so Soulful came out of this place of maybe if I'm asking the question, am I living the life I want to live? Is it sacred? Mm. Is it, am I balancing it so that it is full of joys? Is my life serving kind of a, a bigger purpose than just me? Mm-hmm. Um, am I taking in as much beauty and joy as I can? Am I deepening in my spiritual relationship? You know, is is that growing? Is that evolving through right. my life? It's very different today than how it was when my child was diagnosed with cancer. You know, I was a young, I don't know, I just had never had to fight for hope. Right. I'd never had to really trust God, like really trust God mm-hmm. where nothing's happening here except heartbreak and 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 double down and say, okay, I, I'm going to stick with you. And so that, that has changed over my life. Uh, so soulful is for me, I call it my encyclopedia of hope, that you're going to find a word of hope, I hope, I hope. On every page. <laughs> yes. But it also is my intent of how can we live a more sacred existence? What does that look like? And, you know, you know, one piece of that is how do we handle change? Another piece of that is how do we handle relationships? Mm. You know, because relationships can be hard, right? Yeah. They can test the goodness in us, let's yes. just say. Yes. <laughs> right? And and so it's like trying to figure out about this whole piece of forgiveness and mercy mm-hmm. and um and also are we loving the people in front of us well, are we giving them the best of us right right i mean sometimes you know what is that phrase where someone said you know sometimes the person sitting next to you in the airplane gets better than your own family because you're having a conversation you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and and then you get home to your family and they and they don't get the best of you mm-hmm. and um and so I, I feel like this book is helping us all live a richer, not perfect. Like I say, you know, imperfect lives can be holy because the reality is a mother of six children who works is, is my life is very imperfect. Mm. You know, it's just like every day I chuckle. I'm like, Human oh, nature. my goodness. 
We're just trying every day to be a little more like Jesus. Yeah, and I think that the life can still be holy. Yes. Right? And so my hope for the book is that it will it will fill you. Yes. Right? And so that you feel like you can meet the world with the best version of yourself. It also will say, you know what? We're all doing the best that we can. Yes. Every single day. And, you know, there are days that I'm less than less than feral can be for sure. Um, and and then there are days where I surprise myself and I'm like, goodness gracious, you know, I showed up with some courage today that I didn't think I had. Mm. And I, you know, there's a line in the book where I say resilience is beautiful. I think a lot of the f- soulful life is being willing to get back up. Yes. Right? Yes. Get back up. And I tell a story in the in the book about it's called Kensugi, but it's the Oh Do you know this? I it's so funny that you said this because I spoke at my first conference um a few months ago and I literally took a bowl of Kensugi and oh. my entire you know, day, I just talked about the brokenness and then how God works it together. So I'm going to let you explain Kintsugi to our listeners. Okay, well, so so Kintsugi is basically, so we have these Japanese shoguns, you know, these powerful ruling. And and so they had this beautiful, beautiful porcelain pottery Mm -hmm. and it would break. And so they would send it to China. And instead of having it... um, Instead of had it mended with like staples or something else, they said, we want you to do it with gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when the pottery returned, I mean, it was more beautiful than for before. having been broken. And um, there's a psychologist, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she says, beautiful people don't just happen. That's right. And, you know, I, I'm really attracted to these people. Because it takes a lot to get back up. Yes. Right? It takes a lot to choose to be open and hopeful instead of being full of resentment. This is where I have found the hope is, and this is part of the reason I have the show, is to point out the brokenness that people have lived and gone through, and then they come back. Stronger than before. Stronger than before. And they, they can point to how God turned that into the good. Yes. Well, and I, I want to say, too, it's, it's you know, not Pollyanna. I mean, when you get your heart broken, when you get your soul broken, your body is broken, it's not like, oh, okay, we're going to, like, get better and it's right. going to be all right. No. We're not promised It's like that. blood, sweat, and tears. That's right. Right? And it's, it's being willing to let people help you, too. Mm. You know, it's like, Having the humility to say, I actually like, I need some help. That's I, good. I'm in the trenches and I can't do it by myself. And, you know, I have this thing I tell the kids about passing the baton of hope. You know, you're go- you're running around the track and there are going to be moments where you're passing it mm-hmm. and it's great. You're helping people and it's yes. wonderful. And then you're going to get to a place where you're like, oh my goodness, I need the I need, need someone, someone to pass, to pass it. it to you. Yes, I need you to pass it to me. And um, humbling as it is, it it just it's like one of the most beautiful things when when people help us. Yes, and we get back up. Mm. And you know, I'm not naive to think that 
my suffering part is done. Right. Right. I have six kids mm-hmm. and just imagine all the things all the that are things ahead of me. You can worry about. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've got, a, you know, the teenagers right now and I, I loved babies. Mm. I loved breastfeeding babies. I loved holding babies. I loved the whole thing. It just made me feel like this is what my calling is in the world. And I never knew what that meant with teenagers, teenagers. that I have to do this six times. I mean, oh, Lordy mercy. I, I think about it often because we're, you know, in those baby years where we've got a three-year-old in our bed every night and mm. a nine-month-old and we've had RSV come through our house and everyone's just passing illnesses and we've got a six-year-old and we're all boys and we're all energy and and physically we are we're so tired. Yeah. But at night, I'll look over at my husband. On weekends, we have movie nights in our bedroom and make popcorn, and it's a whole big thing, and the boys love it. And I'm like, yes, we're tired. Yes, we are squished in our bed, but they're all here. And this is the only time in our lives when our babies are going to want to be near us and when they're all going to be in our room and safe and I said, there's going to be a time when they're going to be teenagers and they're going to be grown or out of the house and we're going to be wishing that they were here in our room having a movie night sleepover just safe, knowing that, you know, our babies are here under our wings. It is so true. I, someone asked me the other day, when are you your happiest? And I said, oh, my gosh, that's easy. I'm my happiest. The house could be a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. But if I have all six kids at home, sitting around my dinner table, and we're eating chicken soup. I'm like, this is as good as it gets. The best. Oh, my gosh. We're all here and the fire's going. Yes. I'm like, this This is heaven on earth for me, yes. that everybody's together. And so I can tell you, because I'm a little further along, they leave the house. Mm-hmm. And when they leave the house, you, you know, you've raised them to leave the house and to fly out of the nest. Mm-hmm. And that was your job. And it's heartbreaking. Oh. Oh, I can't imagine. No. If Charlie and Belle are listening right now, they're both in college, and I just, I miss them around my table. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom had a really hard time. I was the last to leave the nest, oh. um, and actually it, it fell on the year that she retired. And That's she was, a lot. She was a teacher, and so she really had a hard time because, I mean, that's a lot of change, and it's a lot of quiet in your house when your kiddos are gone. Yes. Um, well, and I remember like, you know, especially when my kids were young, like yours. So my babe is, is seven and Finn, our grand finale. Um, and, and I can remember like people coming over and, and like in a just torpor trying to clean up the house. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. There's stuff everywhere. I've got to clean up the house. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, like who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Don't even worry about it. Listen, here's a hack. Only invite people over that have kids because there's no explaining to do, right? That's exactly right. You're that, so right. That is what I'm telling myself. Yes. Um, well, I love that you've brought this book to us, and anyone that reads it is going to be so encouraged. And I think the thing that sticks out to me the most is how relatable it is that you are pointing out things that we've all worried about or thought about or, I mean, should take the time to consider, right? Are we really living 
fully? Is our soul filled with mm-hmm. with the right things and with what God has for us? Or are we allowing busyness and the world and distraction to creep in? I also love that you have mixed in recipes in here. I have. Um, and you, you were, know, the table and food is like, that's my love language. Listen, prepare a table. And prepare a um, table. I love that that is in the Bible so often. It's even like in the presence of mine enemies. And think about that picture, preparing a table, even in the presence of, you know, walking through the valley, but God has prepared a table for us. Yeah. Um, so even in the celebrations and even in the darkness, um, that table is prepared and God has it for us. And he wants us to do that for others. And that is what your hope does. It it presents hope and a table, if you will, to those in dark places. So I love that you have done this. And I'm just so excited for, um, for those listening that are going to get a chance to check it out. Um, you. Do you have a favorite in here? I know it's a year long, so it walks you through a year. But is there a favorite theme or passage well, you know, the book is set up, so it's 50, you get 52 reflections, right. 52 prayers, mm-hmm. and then 52 what I call soul joys or uh-huh. soul joy activities. And so some of those are recipes. Mm-hmm. I think I have like 25 recipes. And in. they look delicious. Well, you know, I want everybody to hear that that these are recipes that I make for my family. Mm. So this is not like we're not getting Michelin stars here. We're getting like we're nurturing the people that we love. We're nourishing them. These are healthy, delicious, but more importantly, easy to prepare, right? It's going to be something that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing Farrell's chicky parmesan tonight because it's the (laughs) easiest recipe and my kids and my family will love it. Or Sunday night, I'm going to do Farrell's chicken soup and know that I have nourished my family, Mm. you know? Um, But probably, you know, I feel like the prayers, the prayers are meaningful to me because I think prayers can be so complicated sometimes. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on people. I agree. And so, you know, I wrote them in the first person with the hope that when you read them, Mm. it feels your spirit. You feel that this is part of you. This is like gives you words that then might set you off into your own conversation. So the prayers mean a lot to me in, in the book. And um, the reflections, you know, I did. I really tried to write about all the different things that make up the full life that Jesus has given mm. us. And so, I mean, that that's anything from, you know, the last chapter in the book, the title of it is Don't Postpone Joy. Ugh. I'm a big believer. Yes. Heart, you know? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. We're supposed to feel joy. There should be no guilt for joy. Oh, that's and, so good. You know, I was sitting with a family who just suffered a, a really tremendous loss. And I said, okay, so over the coming months, if you feel joy, like something happens and you find yourself laughing or smiling and you feel joy, that is a it's gift. Okay. Oh. No, that is God saying, you know what? I got your hand and I'm pulling you a lock. Mm. Like little bits of joy, that's a gift. Yes. We don't feel guilty about that, even in the worst of circumstances. Uh, because I do, I think that's God's breath breathing yes. through us saying, I'm going to help you through this that's and I'm right. going to give you a little joy. Well, it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Yeah, it is. So, it I is. mean, all of the fruits of the Spirit are are from God. So that is so good. Farrell, I've loved having you on today. Is there anything else, just any little 
nugget or piece of wisdom that your mama gave you or um, just that it doesn't even have to be related to uh, this or to the Bible, just maybe to motherhood or to life, just a little piece of what you could share with someone along the way? Well, you know, um, I can remember calling my mom when I had all of the kids really young Mm -hmm. and and feeling like, oh, my gosh, I am just like... (laughs) I'm not sure I'm not good at this. Like, this is a lot. Like, this is, oh, my gosh, you know, someone has to throw a bug, and I'm, like, trying to help somebody else with their homework, and the house is a mess. And my mom said, Farrell Mason, the only thing that you have to do is make sure they know you're lo- that you love them. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's the only thing they're going to remember. It's true, though. The only thing that you will remember with people that cross paths with you is how they made you feel. That's right. And so um, I try to I try to live that. You know, when people cross my path, I want them to leave feeling better for having crossed my path. That's so good. That is so good. Well, can't do it all the time. You can't do it all the time, especially if you hadn't had your walk in. Oh, no, if I, I haven't had my coffee and my walk, and you know that that early morning. School drop that, off. That is, is true. Yeah, we, we, all we those have moments. Our Six a.m. wake ups, and it's pretty hard most pretty days. Hard. I think it might be harder for us than it is for them. Um, but once that coffee hits, you know the day really gets going. But I love that. I love that. I tell you what, my day has certainly been better for meeting and visiting with you today, and I think that everyone listening is going to feel the same. Everybody, uh, if you have not checked it out, um, Farrell, where can we find your book? So. So the book can be found at all, every single place that sells books. Okay. So Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Parnassus in Nashville. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think it's wherever books are sold. Wherever. Oh, I love it. You can okay. Um That and you have a blog. I do. And you have a podcast. I do. Okay. So the, the blog is Bread and Honey, and I try to post every Monday. Okay. And I just try to give you some goodness. To start your week. So that's kind of what it is. So, um, and then the podcast, yeah, it's Soulful Seven. Mm -hmm. And and I just try to interview people that I feel like are trying to live a soulful life. That is so good. You are bringing so much hope and joy to the world. Thank you. With your gifts. And I love that. I actually, a few months ago, did an episode on um, the, I called it the gifts of influence, but it's the seven mountains of influence. And how we can't all be ministers, although you are actually a minister. <laughs> I'm saying that probably to the wrong person. But God gives us all giftings um, to use in our sphere of influence. And I just so true. I just think that people forget that sometimes, especially a mom who just feels weary or like, like what she's doing isn't enough for the world. Um, and I just want to say today that what you are doing and contributing to, if you're a mom, if you work outside the home, if you do both, it's bringing something to the world. And God God literally made you for such a time as this. And he knew that whatever he put in you, the world needed. Um, and I just want to call that out today. So if you have a creative heart, Um, And if you love writing or if you love art or if you love your family and your children, Farrell, you have done it all, (laughs) ma'am. You have done all of these things. But but any of these things are something. They're all gifts. And God places these things in all of us. And I just want to encourage you wherever you are today um, to, to choose that. 
and to choose to keep pursuing the hope that God has given us so that you can in turn pass that hope along, pass the baton of hope along um, like Farrell has taught her children to do. I just think that is a beautiful picture. Um, And I hope that you guys remember that today. And I hope that you are encouraged by the hope that has been given in these words and this wisdom by sweet Farrell Mason with us today. I love you guys. And Farrell, I love you. Thank you so much for being on today. This was wonderful. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share the show with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.